Hello and welcome to the 90 Day Website Mastery Podcast. I'm here with my very good friend, Pascal Fintoni. We are here for episode seven. Can you believe it's episode seven of our was at, Website Mastery Podcast? I was having the same thought when I was looking at the, at the show. We were fast approaching the double digits. and Yeah. Uh, it's very, very pleasant. And thanks everyone for the wonderful feedback as well. We are live on LinkedIn. We are live on YouTube. We're live on Facebook. You might be listening to us on the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are celebrating the launch of our new program and the completion of the website best practice webinar series. We wanted to find a way to continue to share more advice and insights about making your website work harder and for you to feel proud about your website again. So each website, each episode will compromise of four segments. We've got the you ask, we answer. We've got website stories. We've got the website engine room where we'll share one of our top apps or software solutions that me and Pascal have found and the website call to action. One thing that you could do straight away that could make an adjustment that would make a big difference to your website or your marketing right now. So without further ado, I think we should jump into You Ask, We Answer, if that's all right, Pascal. So this is all about one question that you've submitted addressing our community that maybe you and I have been asked during our work or that we researched online. And very recently, I was helping somebody um, with regard to moving on from a website that was self-built using a template to finding an agency or a freelancers. And the question was as follows, how do I find the right person to build my next website, question mark. And interestingly, based on my research, this is also the top question on Quora.com, you know, that kind of Q&A forum that people use a lot to help each other. So I think that's an interesting one because, you know, the question is, is literally how do I find the right person? And for me, your the effort and the time it takes is almost keen to employing somebody. And what I'm thinking about, Johnny, is the idea of having requirements that are kind of spelled out. You don't have to be the expert in a subject matter to recruit, you know, um, someone to join your team. So think of, you know, this agency or this freelancer as an extended part of your team. So you, you have to have the requirement and you have to have a scoring system. And that would be, for me, the, 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 the basis. And we can go back onto that. But you get involved a lot in website project development, either as a kind of consultant and bring expertise all the way to directing the execution of a project. So you're on the other side of this question. So I sometimes wonder, you know, what kind of questions do, perhaps you wish people would ask you during that kind of selection shortlisting process? Well, I think you've actually nailed it in the in one word which is the requirement and 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 it yes there are certain questions that I, I would love a client to be asking but actually what I'd much rather see for someone that's wanting to buy a website is a brief and a really good brief and 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 so how do you choose the right supplier to, you know how do you find the right person to buy a website from to build a website for me, it's about actually having a really good brief before you even go out. It's a bit like, how do I find a builder to build my house without any architect's drawings? In in my opinion, it's about having a, having some architect's drawings first, which you know is what happens in the building trade. You then go 
to market to say, here's what I want, you know, can you do it? And and what's the cost and what's the ins and outs and can you, can we get some references and et cetera, et cetera. So, so actually I think all of the detail and all of the secret and the success to this is in the brief itself. And then of course the scoring, how you, the selection process, the, the due diligence. Uh, but for me, the big piece is the brief. That's interesting. But then you get sometimes someone says, I, I don't know what I want. You know, I, I'm starting from, from scratch. Sorry to cut you out. Yeah. There. And do you know what happens? I, I run away. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, yeah. My... Sorry. Here, here I am representing, representing the, the side of, of the future, you know, paying customer and web you know, manager. Don't be afraid to start to go to market saying, I don't know what I want, but then what you could do as part of your selection process, say to somebody like Johnny, so how do you go about helping someone like me, starting with a blank piece of paper? You know, what is your process to help me get to a position where I am clearer about my requirement? That could be actually a very important conversation to be had, and you may have to pay for that expert service, but I think that's a good question to ask. So, I, I, yeah, again, I think uh, you've demonstrated that well in terms of actually perhaps instead of asking the question, you know, can you build me a website? And then I turn around and say, okay, what do you want? And then they say, well, I don't really know. Actually, the better question is, can you help me decide what website do I need? What website do I want? Um, and that and that's a whole process in itself. Uh, so it's um, you, you know it's it, you've got to as a as a buyer you've got to uh, protect yourself. You know the the problem is I mean if you go back in the olden days if you didn't ask for a website that works well on mobile you wouldn't have received a website that actually worked well on mobile. It would have looked good on desktop and all of the de the designs would have looked nice but no one would have thought of mobile and it was only sort of after launch and and that transition where you know over 50 percent now use mobile that people say well hang on it doesn't work on mobile and the web designer says well you never asked for it to work on mobile <laughs> and that's that unfortunately still happens in the industry not necessarily on mobile but if if the the never assume Never, mm. never assume that, that everything's included because actually very little's included depending on who you're using uh, and, and the process. So it's, uh, it's, it, it can be a bit of a minefield, but it's about investing in that initial stage to really feel that what's been agreed is actually what you really want. Yeah, and I think for me, um, and I was researching because I've got it somewhere, and that's one of the templates we share actually on the on the ninety day website mastery program, um, because this is that relationship between the people who are going to be um, dealing with you and and serving you, um, the, the the platform that you're going to get as a result, but also the project management. And within project management, you've got the, the you know, questions around how do they communicate? You know, what is their preferred way to report back to you? Uh, and, and vice versa what would be the, the different milestones but within that inclusions exclusions think of it all, almost like uh, uh, buying uh, insurance and you want to know what's in and, and what's out and therefore for me the the message before we move on to the next segment is that actually it takes time if the question is how do I find the right person 
to be on my next website. It takes time and these are all the stages of requirement or getting support to express those requirements. I mean, one tactic that you could use is to go on a platform like Indie.com and the others and look for job descriptions of a typical web designer and in there you're going to have lots of lots of hints then you can do some research on you know what would be you can google this stuff and ask you know uh, the question of what should be part of a website project you can really inform yourself without necessarily being the um, you know the expert that's what you're going to, you're going to buy into um, and once you have a closer you know a vision of what it looks like then of course you can ask the other party to storytell so i would ask johnny tell me about you know how you did this project or if i go on your website johnny and i find some examples website project i said tell me more about the journey that you went through and then finally i would definitely ring the businesses who've uh, had the website design because i want to know what's and all what was it like to work with this individual absolutely now Okay, listen, time is against us because this is, of course, our short form content. So let's move on to our next segment, Website Stories. So for this segment, we choose one article, one podcast, a video, maybe an ebook, something that helps us consider what it means to be a website manager in today's economy. And Johnny, as a surprise for you and to our viewers and listeners, this is actually an article from a company called OrbitMedia.com. And every year, they do this incredible research exercise and survey about blogging. And they interview their, their members, over a thousand bloggers, about strategies and tactics that work well. So we're going to put the hyperlink in the show notes because it is actually a quite a lengthy article. But take your time. It's really, really quite interesting. And I've picked three stats, three strategies, Johnny, to get your reaction on. So number one is around length or the number of words. And according to the blogger community um, linked to Orbit Media, the more words you have, the more, of course, you can expand on a point, the better the results. And it seems to be that that 1,500 words plus, all the way to 3,000 more, gets people you know, the, the right results. That's number one to get your action on. Number two is a kind of content that gets to better results. And the top three are how-to articles, lists, and guides and ebooks and very closely followed by news and trends and interviews and final one for you um if you have longer articles to get better reactions you also need to have a greater number of visuals and it would seem that you break through for like the white nose of the internet if you go past the six images per article and importantly if you include videos. But again, a lot more stats and data for you to read if you follow the links in the show notes. But yeah, let, let me ask for your reaction on this little um, kind of uh, summary for you. Well, yeah, it makes sense because if you if you look at the one of the key metrics in Google Analytics 4 is engaged sessions. And what that's okay. one of the things that's around is how long someone spends on the page. But more so, how do they scroll? How do they, you know, what do they, what what exactly do they do on that page? And the common sense part of this is that if you've got the, the more words 
and I don't just mean the words for the sake of it, and I'm sure you don't either, but the more words there are, the more in-depth you can go, the more you can explain something, the more you can help someone do something and go into real detail, then not only are you adding a huge amount of value, but you're also demonstrating to the likes of Google that people are are interested, people are engaged, people are reading, and you are going to get much more engaged users, potential clients, potential customers, existing customers, by giving away information, being resourceful, being helpful, bringing it to life with the images. I like that idea. I think, you know, blogs have to uh, look very visual, a bit like if you're if you doing podcast show notes, you know, then there's nothing wrong with taking those show notes, but adding bullet points, adding subheadings, adding images. And, you know, if you are going to have a couple of thousand words, you are going to need a good six or seven pictures to break that content up. So a lot of it makes sense to me. Uh, at the same time, I want to put a tiny disclaimer there. Well, two things. First of all, you know, don't just add words for the sake of it. But secondly, some of the best blogs could can sometimes be a couple of hundred words. So if you've got a very important piece of news or or, or a particular uh, story, uh, there's nothing wrong with with you know that type of blog as well. But if you're looking for uh, blogs that are going to rank really well, that that are going to create that engagement, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, and I think you remind us that you've got to mix things up, right? You, you've got to go for that. Let's call it micro blogging. You know, hundreds of words that has that kind of hard hitting uh, reveal announcements or update, and then you've got that more. Um, kind of thought-provoking, someone that can be read again over, or we can follow the how-to guides to take action with our business. Uh, for me, it's it's about this idea of also breaking out out of the habits, maybe of uh, you know a blog with a, a lead image, some copy. We break the paragraph with some H1s, and then a call to action at the end, and go back to this idea of um, what would you do if this was a slideshow, or what would you do if this was indeed a video? Or you would storyboard, you would do all of that, so you can you can make things up. Um, one thing that we mentioned actually um, in previous sessions was this idea of go back to um, your your stats, find maybe those articles that are already performing well, and kind of ask yourself the question. That's interesting. These articles doing well already, and we are in the twelve hundred words mark. I could maybe expand upon it. I could maybe you know look for additional bit of information and take it over near the two thousand words mark. And so maybe that's also that because I can only imagine that people listening to thinking three thousand words and t literally like taking a breath back and thinking that's not for me. But perhaps that could be something that is built over time. Yeah, the, the, the absolutely and and you. <laughs> I'm stumbling because I'm thinking about the, the some of your presentations on stage. You just talked about um, slides mm. and think, and instead of that sort of standard blog format, having thinking about it as some kind of presentation. And, and I don't know if anyone, you know, well, I know a lot of people have, but I don't know if anyone listening right now or, or watching right now has seen Pascal on stage. His his, you know, his, his presentations are phenomenal. They're absolutely brilliant. He he is so engaging and and it's it's just some very simple things some simple differences that make that make a huge difference and whether that be bringing audio in whether it be uh changing the way visuals done uh and so i, I so i you know i, I know I've, i know i've taken taken quite a deep point here but i think the 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 point i'm trying to make 
is I'm fully agreeing that actually moving away from the standard format mm. and thinking a bit more future and a bit more sort of out the box uh, to create that engagement is absolutely a way forward. But you know, I've never made the link between uh, presentation. No, no well, I haven't either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, because what what you're saying is that when I am presenting, opening, closing, in a conference one, uh, there is a gentle pressure of not letting people down that I'm going to have to make you know make eye contact with. So uh, that is very motivating. And is it the case that the moment you get near the keyboard and you are on your own, looking at your kind of CMS with a cursor blinking, thinking, come on then, say something clever. Is it that we need to take us back to the, the event one? But, you know, 3,000 words, could it be actually repurposing a presentation, a podcast or a webinar? I think it is. I think I think it absolutely is. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I do. I do. Well, for people watching live on replay, you've just witnessed a light bulb moment between Johnny and Pascal. Well, this this is why we do this as well. Let's be honest. You know, there's no there's no secrets here. We both love. One of the reasons we love podcasting is we enjoy the conversation we enjoy the thought process and some of the best ideas come from come from you know whether it be prior in the green room whether it be afterwards or actually during the show and you know it's it's it, it just it validates how it's so important to spend time brainstorming uh, and thinking about uh, the the things that you're trying to do I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. I'm joined by Pascal Fintoni to let you know about our new program, the 90-Day Website Mastery. It has everything you need to know and do for taking your website to the next level. And we have a couple of questions for you. Are you tired of your website underperforming? Do you want to make your website work harder for you, but not sure where to start? The 90-Day Website Mastery Program is a live and fully immersive consultancy experience that combines the best elements of website tactics, expert mentoring, and peer learning. With the 90-Day Website Mastery, you'll get direct guidance from Pascal and I, the support of a community of other business owners, and a unique roadmap to success with our library of templates. Whether you're looking to improve your website's design, increase traffic or boost conversions, we think we should definitely talk. And it's very easy. Go online and search for the 90-Day Website Mastery Program today and book your free consultation meeting via our website. We look forward to chatting with you and showing you how we can make you feel proud of your website again. And now, enjoy the rest of the show. Well, you know, my favorite phrase that I share on stage a lot, you know, this is far too important to try and work it out on your own. And there's been a yeah. very, very good example here. Well, let's see if we can have more little light bulb moments with our next segment. Thank you very much, Johnny. Now, in this segment of the show, I always look forward to it because it's always a big surprise about, you know, maybe one app, one tech, one online solution that can make life easier as the website content creator and manager. So what is your selection for today, Johnny? It's not quite an app or a tool. It's more a tactic that I've got in store for you. Um, and the tactic is really simple. Subscribe to competitors. So subscribe to their YouTube channel, subscribe to their podcast, subscribe to their blog, 
and see what's being said. I don't mean to necessarily copy, but I'm talking about taking the best of the best or just to help you formulate ideas and 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 to be in the know of what is going on with your competitors. And so I think the, the biggest thing for me is subscribe to competitors, whether that be using uh, the, uh, uh, some kind of email subscription or whether it be some kind of podcast prescription, uh, subscription or YouTube subscription, but subscribe to, con- to their content and keep an eye on it. And that will absolutely give you those light bulb moments. Yeah. And you could extend that rationale to you know, the sector itself, you know, so if there are some media companies, you know, for a fact, are in a business of news and advice, uh, membership type or organizations. So you, you, you link yourself to the to the ecosystem, which will include your co- competitors. Well, for my part, I respected the rule. So I did go for a proper app and solution, Johnny. <laughs> and I was thinking about um, our dear listeners and viewers thinking, you know, 3000 word blog. I mean, even I, I had to write an article recently for a magazine and it was 1,500 words. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. So I'm thinking, but the, the art and science is about curation. So you don't have to come up with everything yourself. You can curate or be inspired by what you've done recently. And what I like to do with my blogging is link back to more traditional form of content, TV, radio, newspapers, and, and, and books. So what I've done is looked back to my toolkit and remembered that there is a little-known service from Google called Google Talk to Books. And this is literally like a mini search engine. It's all, you know, kind of within the Google ecosystem that allows you against a, a short phrase or keywords to find passages, paragraphs, and citations from published books. So if you're making a point about how to do something, or if you want to uh, comment on a news item, or if you want to talk about recent case studies, and you want to illustrate your point by quoting maybe expertise or work, you know, that's been done in, in the past, like research and data, uh, this website, you've got a hyperlink in the show notes, talk to books, put that in the Google search and find it. Literally put a keyword, and I, I, I lacked imagination, so I put the term content marketing during my, during my, my trial. And literally, you've got all the books that have been listed and scanned by Google with a paragraph from the book. You've got a page number, you've got a paragraph number, you've got the author's name. So literally, your citation is in line with copyright and good journalism, if, if, if you will. And that already adds quite a bit of interest. And then you can be reacting to the citation. And there, very quickly, you've got here another 250, 300 words within the, the blogging, which makes you know this... Uh, kind of long-form content less uh, scary to do. I was fully aware of Google Books, but I was not aware of that feature. And how clever is that? Uh, I think that's, that's, I mean, that saves a ton of time. But, you know, someone's already done the hard work of finding the the right places to look and the, the reference points. What a great tip that is, Pascal. And I think for me, what is lovely is if you take your mind back to where Google began, which was, you know, the uh, founders, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, who were looking for ways to save time writing essays so they can go to the student bar and flirt. So the, the, this business of citation, you know, arcs back to, you know, essay writing. You know, you have to quote properly where you got the information from. And the way literally you can, it's given to you 
as is. You can copy and paste and it's done properly. It's just so, so exciting. Well, on the business of asking people to do something, let's move on to our very final segment, the website call to action. All right, so this is about the one action, the one change, the one small adjustment that can make a huge difference to your website. So, Johnny, what is your recommendation today? So with my search engine optimization background, I'm always thinking of what little tweaks can we do to get higher in Google and H1's heading tags, H1's, H2's, H3's, those headings, subheadings are all important to help Google understand what your page is about. Now, some of you might be watching and listening and thinking, really, is Johnny just talking about heading tags? Well, yes, they're important. However, one of the things that's being talked about right now in the SEO community is around font size. And, and to be specific, what I'm talking about here is that you might have some, some kind of featured content or some kind of um, uh, uh, strong message or, or standard blurb in a, in a very large font that isn't the title of the page. And the title of the page is in the, is in the H1. And what I'm trying to get across is that there is talk in the community that Google is is taking the, the the text with the largest font size on the page as something that's more important than the actual H1 itself. And as an example, I work with a, a, a law firm. And if you have a look at uh, all of their pages, um, I work with many law firms, but taking one ex one specific example, if you have a look at uh, a lot of their pages, they'll have, you know, uh, specific uh, H1s, you know, for conveyancing, for family, for all sorts of different types of law. But actually, their, their, their biggest message on all of those pages is meet the lawyer. So meet Lucy, meet uh, Steve, meet Sally. And, and that text is larger than the H1, which is taking influence away from the h1 so my quick call to action tip for you to rank that bit better is to make sure that your h1 is the largest font size on the page pretty simple thank you so much and that could be alongside checking which articles are performing best and you can start with those and, and work your way through the whole of the website um thank you very much but quickly um can you help us burst a myth or a half truth People saying, oh, if you put lots of H1s, your ranking will improve. That doesn't sound to me to be true. A page full of H1s is not going to help your ranking, is it? No, no, it's going to go against you, if anything. What you're looking for is only ever one H1 per page. So you can have multiple H2s, multiple H3s. These are subheadings. The, the, the higher the number, the smaller the subheading, the smaller the font size, theoretically. But yeah, there should only ever be one H1 on uh, across every single page, there should be one H1 and they should be different. Every H1 should be unique as well. So that it's the heading of each page and multiple H1s actually causes Google confusion and can cause a drop in ranks. Thank you very much. So from your SEO specialism to my content marketing specialism, uh, my call to action today is build up from last week. So last week we talked about doing searches to, um, that would mimic what your customer is going to look for about you and, and uh, for you and look at the people also ask and the related searches boxes. Um, so what you should have done is done that, start to group them in, into themes. And then what I want you to do is against 
those um, questions that people are asking, preparing for the future long-form um, content, can you research the stats and the data that relates to those questions? And it's dead easy to do. You put the same questions, but this time you go on Google Images because if someone's taken the trouble to do some data crunching, as we saw a moment ago with our friends from Orbit Media and Blogging Tactics, there will be graphics. Those graphics are images which have been tagged correctly because people know what they're doing, and they'll be listed for you in Google Images. So it's a sure way to save time in finding the stats that you want to then be adding to your article on how to do something or how to understand something better. You've got the questions now, and you just start to put the ingredients together towards your future blog, and data is a wonderful way to add to what we call drama, which is the, the content you produce. Brilliant. Thank you for some uh, great tips there. Um, that brings us to the end. It's, that is it for today. This was episode seven of our new podcast series, the audio companion to the 90-day website mastery program for more information please visit the 90daymarketingmastery.com and you'll be able to book your discovery call with even myself uh, or pascal we'll be back with another podcast episode in the meantime feel free to send your questions share your preferred app and links to your website once you have made the changes we spoke about and we'd love to give you a shout out but that's it for now bye now for every from every uh, <laughs> stumbling on my word pascal <laughs> what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say goodbye. He was saying goodbye. So it's goodbye from me, Pascal. And it's goodbye from him, Johnny Ross. <laughs> we'll leave you with a fun video and audio montage whilst you go through your notes and actions. And we'll see you all soon. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care. See you soon.